Welcome to Sam's Business Growth Show. I'm Sam Dunning, a digital marketing, sales, and business growth evangelist. Tune in and subscribe today as I'll be interviewing business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. You'll be learning their story, how digital marketing has helped them along the way, and exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your own business. And welcome back to a fresh episode of Sam's Business Growth Show. I'm excited to be joined by Louise Archer today. Louise has gone from consultancy services manager to a client partner. She's worked in senior roles on the front line of recruitment for 20 years now. Louise's knowledge of retained search and associated services were found with an approach to implementing and selling them that is straightforward, open and results driven. Louise, welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going really well, Sam. Thank you very much for having me. Um, really good, busy um, and in the background cleaning windows. But yeah, everything's good. <laughs> Excellent Very good, stuff. thank you. Pleased to hear it. Great stuff. So, as always, Louise, there's a few key things that myself and everyone tuning in today would like to learn from you. Um, so, we want to learn as you've grown your own business recently, we'd love to learn your top business growth strategies. So, how you've been able to grow your business in a short space of time. Mm. Um, some of the channels that have been useful for you, be them digital marketing or be them offline, more traditional marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get to that, it'd be great to learn a bit more about your background. So your story, so if you could share with us a bit of insight into yourself, really where you grew up, some of the key businesses you've worked at and some of the lessons or actionable tips um, you picked up along the way, whether it's sales, whether it's marketing or business in general, we'd love to learn it. Okay, cool. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I guess the, the first thing to say is that I, I swore to myself as a, a teenager, I think that I would never set my own business up. Um, and yet here I am. So I guess um, the journey that I've been on uh, has been unusual um, because I, I guess a lot of people actually strive to work for themselves and build their own their own company. Um, and mine was the, the, the exact kind of reverse of that. Um, uh, so I, I, you know, I really enjoyed um, my, my career and I really enjoyed working for other, other people, um, largely, not everybody, obviously. But I, sure. I learned a huge amount. And some of those kind of key, key things were I was lucky enough to be trained and formally trained at a firm called Hudson, um, uh, which was TMP, okay. and they're known for a real best practice in, in our industry and the training's very, very, very good. And so I think that gave me a really good foundation um, for the, an opportunity that presented itself uh, later down in my career, which was to join another business called Air Swift into the engineering world. Um, previously all my experience had been um, very much UK based and I didn't really have although I'd done a fair amount of traveling I didn't really have um, visibility of the kind of international opportunities that a career in recruitment could offer it didn't really feel tangible until I joined um, Air Swift which is truly um, an international business and from day one um, it was uh, uh, you know, building teams in in Jakarta, in Indonesia, in 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 KL, in Malaysia, in in Norway, in um, you know, all, literally all over the world, and nobody batted an eyelid at somebody having three passports because they had to go to Angola and then into um, into Canada, into and and that was exciting. That was a big big part of uh, the world opening up for me. Um, and then I guess um, when I moved back into the UK. Um, for personal reasons, I sort of felt like the world had been a bit shut, was getting shut down a little bit for me. Um, 
Um, because I, I did some international work with, with Air Swift and the UK felt like a very small place when I came back. Um, but I learned a huge amount again um, in how to work through that and resilience is, is just such a huge part of getting through sales in general, isn't it? And certainly in recruitment um, that I came through quite a difficult time um, in what is a very competitive, challenging market uh, and came out on top and did, um, did, did really well in building what, what is now uh, about, I think they do about 8 million, 8 million pounds a year in the consultancy service division that, that myself and a colleague of mine established Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, so was, that you... was that was a huge part of my. Go on. Excellent stuff. So you trained at Hudson, and you said mm. that the training there was impeccable. So was that recruitment? Yeah. Was that sales in general? And why was oh, their both. training so much? Got it. Awesome. So why was their training so much better? Because a lot of us from a sales background, I myself especially, I, I just used to. I think one of my first roles, they pretty much just just gave me probably an hour, half an hour's training. Sam. Mm -hmm. um, here's what we do, here's our services, go, go hit the phone, start selling, start cold calling, start cold emailing, start getting on social, whatever. So um, it's great that you had a good framework. What would you say that made their training stand out from what so many of us are used to seeing? Um, I mean, you know, you, you learn on the job as well, right? It's not all, all training, but I get, and I guess that was sure. part of what was so good about it. There was, the, there was a formal training process that every you know, new hire went through that was driven from, um, you know, central best practice and probably world-class facility, training facility and, um, and skills and talent, training talent in London. And then that was combined with the management who had all been through that training and grown up with that themselves, who were preaching and practicing what, you know, what, what that was preaching. So it was constant reinforcement of, somebody said to me the other day, the systematic application of basic principles. And that is exactly, you know, what, what worked for me. Um, and then having combined with the, the cut and thrust and the rough and ready, um, you know, JFDI attitude of, of recruitment sales training where, you, you know, I had my manager sitting next to me and I remember when you, you know, when you got the, the, the old phones where the, you, you can hang it up without actually hanging the phone up. Okay. Um, so we used to have double handsets and, and she would listen into me. And if I said um, something that she wasn't happy with or that wasn't the right thing to say, she'd just hang the phone up mid-client call and be like, right, next. <laughs> and, and that, you know, taught me very quickly not to, you know, not to screw it up. And uh, so it's that, I think it's that combination of the reinforcement of, of that system, those systematic application, of those basic principles. And the, but done is better than perfect. Just keep, keep doing it. Yeah, so true. So true. And that comes down to a lot of things. Um, Okay, and then you, you moved to Air Swift and that was an international business, right? So you're working overseas? Yeah, I started in the UK and was thrown in massively at the deep end, um, had 50 requirements. I, was, I, was, I went in-house for the first time and had 50 requirements globally to, on my plate, on my head. And I guess that really taught me just graft. I was a kind of grafter anyway, because I'm, I'm a kind of country girl and I like, you know, um, I like getting stuck in, but that was something completely different. I was up all, all hours of the day and night trying to, you know, to, to well, working with candidates. Um, and I loved that. But what that did also was open up an opportunity internally for me to move to the US. So I went and spent um, about a, a couple of years, I think it was, um, in, in Houston, in Texas, which was... Oh, nice. Yeah, like, just, I don't know, something different. Have you lived in the States? 
Have you worked in the I've States? Not, I've, I've never worked over there. I've worked with clients in the US and I've, I've been there a few times on holidays, but never for business. It's a cool place to, you know, do business. It really is. I really, really enjoyed it. Like, I, yeah, I didn't really want to come, come back, actually. Um, I, I learned so much. And what, what, what it taught me most, you know, working over there was confidence. Like the, I overheard, well, I heard some, someone else talking about the US, um, the American, Americans and their confidence the other day. And it's so true. They've just got inherently inside them is I'm, I'm great. I'm, I'm going to nail this. And it's so different from what, you know, from us as, as Brits who are constantly, and a lot of it comes from the schools because, you know, my children were in schools over there and every yep. day they'd come home you know, and the prize giving is constant prize giving, constant praise, you know, great job, brilliant. Even if it's not, even if it's absolutely shite, they're going, <laughs> this is brilliant, this is amazing, this is, you yeah. are awesome. Um, and I think that constant reassurance and that constant confidence really just does a lot for us Brits. I think it really helps us move forward. Definitely. I mean, I'd say us as a nation, we're, we're far too polite um, and things like that. And we're, we just we just beat around the bush, whereas Americans tend to be a bit more to the point. And, and like you say, they're, they're a lot more motivational and things like that. So they've got a lot of great traits, especially yeah, when well, it comes to sales. And- comparing it with, you know, now they're back in school in the UK, you know, you see their report and, you know, Harry's really good at, at applying and listening, but it could definitely be improved if, you know, it's, it's nowhere, it's just nowhere near the amount of, you know, reinforcement of um of confidence that and self-esteem that the americans get interesting a lot from them Mm, agreed um okay so selling overseas so what would you say would be the difference between sales in the uk and sales in the us is there one is is it quite a different transition I think so. Um, I think a lot of it is, um, well, for us as recruiters in our industry, uh, we're valued. Uh, I won't say, you know, we're not, we're not prized over there, but we're certainly valued a lot more highly than we are in the UK as, a, as an industry and as a profession. And that really helps. So that makes it a, for a different experience. Um, I would say that the, certainly the Texans, where, where I was, they like doing business based on relationship and a lot of that is face to face. So I found myself working more. Um, they were much more receptive to working face to face and therefore forming much more deep, deeper and meaningful relationships. So that, that was a bit more different from the kind of transactional supply relationship that a lot of the, U, the UK firms prefer. Hmm. Um, the fees are okay. bigger, <laughs> you know, fees are yeah. bigger. So yeah, sales yeah, yeah. Are generally higher. <laughs> Slightly like say recruitment's pretty cutthroat. It's not easy, and a lot of us Brits, when you talk about recruiters, they they kind of start cringing if they think, "Oh, I want to skip that" and stuff like that. So it's it's not an easy um, industry to to be in. So I've always got respect for a lot of recruiters that that are doing well. Um, so in terms of selling face to face, that's that's the way they preferred it, is it? And mm. is that has that taught you any lessons in terms of being able to? nurture relationships and being able to build rapport quite fast with with prospective clients and things I like think, that? Yeah, I think um, what it really taught me was the importance of being human. And I see, you know, so many people talking about that now and authenticity. And it's like, hallelujah, you know, at last we can actually just be ourselves and that that's a good thing to be. Um, and, <laughs> oh, sorry. That's all right. It's the window cleaner again, and she's not so keen. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think it is all about authenticity. And I think when you're working face-to-face with people, it is much less, um, it's much less um, supply-based. And you can forge a relationship that's real 
and the challenges that you face, which inevitably we all do when we're providing services or when we're having services provided to us, you can deal with them in a human way and, and work through them, importantly. You know, and that's the, that's, that was, that's the key difference for me, having a real, actual, normal human relationship with your client or your supplier when you're working face-to-face. Okay, okay, got it. And, and does that, to, to get a bit more granular on that, does that just mean be less corporate? So rather than talking to someone like you're just talking to another corporate business, talk yeah. to them as if they're your friend? Yeah, I totally do. I completely do. do don't you? Do you? What do you think? Yeah, on, on, on most levels. Um, with myself, I'd say it probably depends on who it is, and I've, I've got to judge the tone. Um, so I, I like to pick, I like to pick up on people in terms of um, how they're talking to me. So if I think it's someone that's extremely corporate, and that if I start talking to my friend, then I'll probably try and judge that tone. Or if I think that they're they're someone that I can get along with on that level, then I'll I'll try it that way. So that tends to be yeah. my yeah. my yeah, my right. look at. It. Yeah. But everyone's got their own perspective and respect to whatever works at the end of the day. Um, Cool. So moving forwards, you're back yeah. in the UK. Yes. Was that um, what? What was next for yourself? Were there any other roles that you could share with us? Or yeah, yeah, I did. Um, after setting up the consultancy services division for a firm, I realised that there was more to the world than there was the world of recruitment than just the transaction. The, you know, the the contingent recruitment world that I'd grown up in. And when I started looking at what other businesses were doing in that space, research businesses, executive search businesses, I was really fascinated by how it was actually done really, you know, by these businesses. And I went, I went and worked for a couple of them and God, I learned like a, another world again. And you know, the world of, of research, executive research of talent pipeline and talent, ma- talent mapping. And I mean, I'm getting specifics of my industry now, but it was just um, fascinating. And I guess what I learned there was it doesn't matter how, you know, how big or sophisticated a client looks like a Microsoft or an AstraZeneca, they sure. all face challenges and they all need solutions and they are all buying from people like us. And, you know, I teach people now, don't be phased by, you know, sophisticated companies because they've just got different types of challenges. They still need you. Really good point. Um, yeah, everyone, everyone's got challenges. Everyone's got problems they need help with. How do you go about tapping into these type of massive clients? And I guess we're talking kind of real complex selling here with multiple decision makers. Yeah, yeah. Fair and, and things like that, persona mapping, all this kind of technical stuff that's mm. well above my head, to be honest. Um, <laughs> how, how does one get into that kind of stuff? I guess it's, it's something you need to practice, something you need help from, from your team. I, I guess there's other members of, of your company working together with you on accounts, is there? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I mean, it's the simple analogy is you're catching bigger fish. And so, you know, you need more sophisticated equipment and more time and more energy and more resources. And they generally take longer. Um, I, I tend to, you know, teach people to have a balance of, you know, smaller fish and smaller targets to go after as well, because they can be, it can be a much longer sales cycle. Um, sure. but it, it is just, I, I've got a bit of a mantra that I use myself, which is professional persistence. And I quite, I'm quite a systematic person anyway. And so when yeah. I'm, when I'm atta- attacking a client for development, I'll systematically map out, you know, the, those key stakeholders and then 
professionally but persistently um you know chip away at approaching them with in different ways at different times being respectful um and just keeping you know i I send things i'll send birthday cards you know not all the time and not to everybody but to a key contact that i know i can help yeah i you know i'll I'll do things like that and because i'm not going to give up and i think when you're tackling a big client like that showing them that you're not a flash in the pan is really important and having that professional persistence is backed up with the um you know the credibility the the evidence of your capability um your team um and a and a strategy for delivery then you know you can land some really nice big pieces of work great great so it sounds like you're doing some some personal strategies you mentioned things like um birthday cards and, and stuff like that so a <laughs> yeah, bit of a different way to reach out nice okay so yeah let's jump in louise to your own business um it'd be great to learn a bit more about when the light bulb moment was why you decided to set up on your own and um if you could tell us a bit more about how you've grown it over the last two three years how you how you were able to acquire customers whether you had like some companies like to, or some people I've spoken to like to play it safe and like to build up a, a slow side hustle in the background and get a, a short client roster, whereas some have gone all out from day one, not really had much and, and just worked on hard graphs. It'd be interesting to learn how you played it. Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess, um, like I said, I didn't set out to set my own business up. So it happened by accident, by accident rather than by design. Um, I was on garden leave um, from uh, the last company that I worked for and uh, a guy I used to work with called me up and said um, I've I've moved I'm working for I haven't spoken for a few years Um, I'm working for a business that don't do retained they don't work on a retained basis but they really should will you come in and will you teach us how to do it and I said well I don't know whether I'm qualified to do that and he said well you taught me so you can. So I went in and I just did it while I was, you know, not really doing anything else and it wasn't in my non-compete. So, um, and it worked and I taught them how to, you know, how to, how to sell and, and how to win and how to deliver retain work. And somebody heard about it. They asked me to do a similar thing. I went and did it for them and it worked really well. And then, you know, it went from there and I haven't, I literally have not stopped doing that very thing since. So I, I was always frightened of setting up my own business of, Firstly, I think what I've uncovered through working from a business coach now is that I do have a fear of failure, which I think is quite common amongst us people that, you know, strive for, uh, you know, success. Um, But I was afraid of setting my own business up because I was afraid of not being the best. And if I was going to do something, I was going to be the best at it. And luckily, fortunately, that niche, there isn't really anybody else doing it. And so I feel like I can be the best. And so that has really empowered me and, and now I'm absolutely determined I will be the best and I'm going to continue to be the best at what I do. And that is kind of a huge kind of, you know, burning imperative that's driving everything that I I am doing with, you know, kind of from approaching the market and communicating with them to uncover what their challenges are and what they want to do to providing a service that solves that to the absolute best of my ability and you know I guess it's it's back to what (laughs) my dad always used to say to me what you've got to do the best way to to operate in business is just to simply do what you say you're going to do and and it's so basic and so simple but um it's a big part of how I think 
we've grown so far and how I think we will continue to grow. Uh, so it has, it's taken off really. Um, and I've only kind of set up the business and established a website and an identity and um, as a result of the success. And I think, you know, when I talk to younger or, or kind of budding entre entrepreneurs or people that want to set up on their own and, you know, they've got ideas and they want to do this, the advice that I give them is go and do it first and, you know, make sure it's, it sounds simple again, it makes sure it's viable and make sure it is something that people yeah. actually want and need before you go setting up websites or setting up companies or deciding that that's, that's what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Um, I, yeah, I, I felt like the, that organic, you know, the, I don't know which way around is it the tail wagging the dog or the dog wagging the tail, but the, whatever the right way around is, I felt like that that was the right way. And, and I feel confident about the, you know, the future success of the business because of it. Definitely some, some real great points there. So it sounds like it's, it's quite a lot to do with mindset. And you, you've had that mindset of you wanted to be the best in your industry. Um, it sounds like you pick quite a niche as well, which is good. So there's not loads and loads of competition that you need to be concerned about. So as long as you do a great job, then it's going to set you quite apart. Um, do what you do. What you're going to say. Um, sorry, do what you've said you're going to do, which is sounds so simple, but is 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 quite rarely done um, to the T anyway. And um, yeah, that, that's a great point. The last one, make sure it's actually viable before setting up mm. your business. So like you say before, spending all this money on staff, websites, digital marketing, office space, whatever it may be, whatever's involved, actually probably do it a little bit in your spare time. Make sure the concept actually works. Make sure people actually want what you offer, I guess. And it's yeah. going to work. You can make money from it. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, um, I think I, the way that I was brought up was quite sort of yin and yang because I had him, you know, my dad on the one side saying, you know, saying very sensible, logical things like this. And my mum on the other side, who was a who was an entrepreneur and also in the recruitment industry, who is very much kind of a role model for me, saying you've got to speculate to accumulate, you know. And so she's a risk taker. And I think you've <laughs> got to have that healthy balance, haven't you, between um uh, you know, the, the solid principles and foundations of, of, a, of a successful business and that element of jumping on opportunities and taking risks to, to grow and move forward. Sure, sure. Makes sense. And in terms of being able to, to grow your business, Louise, and being able to acquire new pipeline, new customers, new clients, um, what kind of strategies have you implemented? Has there been any with digital marketing or any with offline and more traditional marketing? Yeah, it's interesting you ask that, Sam, um, because it's very much a topic for us at the moment. Um, and, you know, working out what our strategy looks like is is just kind of coming together because everything that's happened so far largely has been organic. Um, okay. We haven't spent any money on advertising. Um, we haven't, you know, really got a marketing strategy. Um, and it's all been LinkedIn is where kind of all my all our customers are and just by building a presence and a personal brand really and um, putting myself out there and and being visible I've been able to you know to, to really start a great growth trajectory and then for us it's more now about how do we take that to the next level where are sensible places for us to invest in in marketing, um, in paid advertising to generate the leads that we know are there. We know that our customers are facing the kind of challenges that all the other customers that we're working with are. So sure. 
No, sure. So it sounds like LinkedIn's played a good part. And apart from that, was it yeah. mainly referrals from other, other businesses that, or things like that yeah. that have helped you get more customers? Definitely. Referrals have been a huge, a huge point. And in fact, sometimes, you know, we're referred from people that we don't know. Um, and that ha that's happened several times recently. Um, and I think, yeah, I, referrals on LinkedIn is where it's all, it's all been so far. So I'm intrigued to know what's the next step, you know, and, and what, what happens when you start putting some money in and some investment behind, you know, marketing and advertising and how does that impact sales? Excellent. Excellent. Well, yeah, I mean, some of the key takeaways I've, I've picked up on today, Louise, were um, done is better than perfect, which is <laughs> one of the first thing in terms of uh, your sales training and get, just getting on the phone and kind of getting to it and learning as, as you, as you go along the cycle. Um, Selling face-to-face -face, all about being human. So being relatable to, to your customer, to your prospective customer or client. Um, big clients, just because they're big, they still need solutions. They still need help. So they shouldn't, you shouldn't be scared of approaching the, the big fish, and even if you are in a small pond. And then um, great points about mindset, doing what you actually set out, what you're saying you're going to do, and, and making sure a business is actually going to be viable before you go going all in, um, but mm. being, being prepared to take, take some risk as well. Yeah, yeah. I'd Excellent so. stuff. <laughs> well, um, what we'd like to ask everyone that comes on this show, Louise, is if you could thank just one person, either dead or alive, having a positive influence on yourself and your career, who would that be and why? My mum, 100%. Easy. Hands down. Yeah, absolute inspiration. You know, just absolutely incredible. She's constantly been my cheerleader and, you know, picking me up when I've, when I've fallen and encouraging me to keep going when I thought that I couldn't and... Yeah, she's, she's the reason that I'm doing what I'm doing. Excellent stuff. Well, everyone, you've been tuning in to Sam's Business Growth Show, where we sit down with business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. We find out their story, how marketing's helped along the way, and their exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your business. Louise, mm -hmm. tell us a bit more about your company, um, how people can learn from you, how people can get in touch and reach out. That's nice. Thank you, Sam. Um, thank you for having me. It's been really nice. Um, I hope that something that I've said somewhere resonates with somebody. Um, so yeah, my business is called Retrain Search. Uh, we teach contingent recruit recruiters and recruitment companies how to either transition to a retained model or how to build and develop a retained model. And you can get in touch with me on LinkedIn, um, Louise Archer, or our website, retrainedsearch.com. Brilliant stuff, Louise. Thanks so much for coming on. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Sam. Are you tired of constantly hunting for new customers? You could be missing out on regular inbound opportunities, all because your website isn't on the first page of Google. Perhaps you're already spending lots of money on advertising, but your website is failing to convert all of your hard-earned visitors into a consistent flow of new customers. If you'd like to learn more about our unusual approach that brings idle clients straight to you, connect with Sam Dunning on LinkedIn or Book a free 20-minute consultation via webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Subscribe today for more digital marketing, sales, and business growth tips from the experts.